So, Father, this morning we want to thank you that you do care. Nothing is outside of your gaze. Your heart is really big and great for us, for God so loves the world, so loves, so loves that he gives his one and only the very best. And this morning we just want to say thank you right now might be things that we face, that we feel, that we experience, but you see, you care, you hear, and you definitely always respond. And so we open our hearts to you, your will and your way, and your wonderful, beautiful, wonderful purpose that you have for each and every one of us. We've been reminded this morning we're not here by chance but because you've called us here and that you really do care. So receive our hearts open to you. And as we come to your word this morning, we pray that with open hearts that you will speak to us, that we'll have spiritual ears to hear, spiritual eyes to see, and hearts that will be open to that which you want to say, achieve, and release within our lives this day so that we can bring you glory Lord and that others will look perhaps at us and then look to you and say what a great God that God receives glory in every way and for all things we pray in Jesus name Amen Amen let's look up together just for a moment or two if you have a Bible in front of you would you um, turn with me to the second letter to the Corinthians. So there's some things that will come up on screen that will just help and prompt along the way, and uh, we're going to share some things together. So Second Corinthians is what we're going to look at this morning. And uh, I'm really following on in a theme that we're looking at that's called generous. The theme that we've been looking at over the last few weeks is this understanding of generosity. And a couple of weeks back, I shared about how God is incredibly generous. God is generous. He so loves the world that he gives his one and only son. That Jesus is incredibly generous, that he gives his life for us. And then we are called to love one another and give our lives to God and to each other. We looked at that. Mike Swinburne was sharing just a week or so ago about this idea of giving and giving our lives first to God, then to leaders, then to one another. And this idea of being generous, and what does that mean? And looking in this same letter, actually, Second Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. And so this morning I want to just finish, or finish off, as it were. Not that we'll ever finish on the theme of generosity. This is a lifetime. But we're just going to just spend a few moments as we look at this theme together. But I want to say this, that the discovery that I found is that generosity is something of the heart. Hence, you'll see it on the screen in front of you. That generosity is a heart thing. It's not something we can be made to do. We're going to discover this this morning. You can't be told, you've got to be generous, you know. No one can stand over you, nor does God. God doesn't actually stand over you or me and say, by the way, Christian, you better be generous. And in the letter that we're going to read in a moment or two, Paul says this. He says, I'm not compelling you or telling you. But we discover that generosity comes out of an overflow of a heart filled with the love of God. That's the bottom line. Now, if you forget everything and anything else this morning, remember this one thing. 
that it's our hearts that matter to God. So much so. And a heart filled with the love of God cannot help but overflow in openness and love. Hence the words, the prophetic words that were shared this morning about opening our spiritual eyes, opening our hearts. Joanne shared earlier about the Lord saying, open your heart, open your spiritual ears, your spiritual eyes this morning. So the heart is so incredibly important. In the, Jeremiah the prophet said, in the latter day will come when God will write his law, not on stone tablets, but on our hearts. And so it's our hearts that matter to God. And that's our discovery, and it's that that we shall look at this morning. Okay, so if you have um, 2 Corinthians in front of you, then you might like to turn to that for a moment or two. But, you know, um, two animals came to a, a junction at a road, and they found a sign that said, Help, feed the hungry. And uh, the, the hen said, Well, what I should do is I think I'll donate some eggs the pig looks at that and says, for you, it's a contribution. For me, it would be a total sacrifice. And um, it's about the heart. It's not about how much or how little at the end of the day. And uh, whether we would laugh nervously at that or whatever it is. It's, when we talk about generosity, it's not about the amount. It's all about the attitude. And that's going to be the bottom line, folks. I've discovered for myself this. That it's not the amount, but it's the attitude. It's what's in our hearts that really counts. Okay. So, the grace of giving is our title for this morning. The grace of giving. The theme that we're looking at generally is being generous. And this morning, based on 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it's the grace of giving. So, I want to look at three things this morning. Uh, Firstly, um, these are the three things that we're going to just look at as we look at this understanding of what is the grace of giving. You know, giving is a grace. It's a gifting. It's a gifting that comes from God where he touches hearts and our hearts overflow. And so we're going to look at three things briefly this morning. Uh, the first thing that we, we shall see, and it's found in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 7. If you see it in front of you there, verse 7 reads like this. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, um, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Second thing that we're going to look at is um, and explore the theme of God loves a cheerful giver. If you go over to chapter 9, we should look at this in a moment or two, but introducing it. Chapter 9, verse 7, we read... These words, each man should give what he has decided in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So you can't be told what to do. God doesn't tell us what to do. He loves an overflow. And we look at what this cheerful giving, what is that? What is that all about? And we'll build our case as we look at this together. And then thirdly and finally, when we go this morning, uh, we look at the principles of generosity. And in chapter 9, there are some principles about an overflowing heart. Uh, And in the kingdom of God, um, the currency of God in the kingdom of God is generosity. That's God's currency in the kingdom of God. It's generosity. If we're to live in the kingdom of God, if we're to live for God, then the currency that we live by is love. 
And that love, we'll find, is incredibly, overwhelmingly generous. And so the currency of God and the kingdom of God is love. And so we find in um, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 15, and we shall be looking at this just in a moment or two, uh, and briefly, we read these words. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply the, and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. That's interesting, isn't it? We'll be made rich by God in every way when we buy by his principles so that we can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your, uh, your, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. People will look at God and say, how great is he? This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's the indescribable gift of love through Jesus Christ. So, excel in the grace of giving. Um, God loves a cheerful giver and the principles of generosity. So first of all, first thing that we want to look at then is excel in this grace of giving. Paul says, I want you to excel in this grace of giving. It's found in chapter 8, verse 7, and we've just read it. What we see there is this. There's an understanding of grace. What is grace? Paul says, let's just look at this verse. Let's just look at the few phrases just for a moment or two. Paul says, excel in this grace of giving. What is grace? Grace is this. It's an overwhelming, unmerited favor. If you are a recipient of grace, which we are because we are Christians, so God gives his grace towards us, lavishes grace upon us, then we are recipients of, grace is this, overflowing, unmerited favor. In a nutshell, it's as simple as that. When we speak of God's grace upon our lives, it is the experience of a Christian, you and I, experiencing an overflowing, unmerited favor. Overflowing, it says that God lavishes in Ephesians his riches upon us. God so loves the world that he gives his one and only son. There's an overflow. In God, it cannot be contained. He cannot be contained. In actual fact, his love is so overwhelming, so far-reaching. It says there's no height, there's no depth. You could not go to the, the outer reaches of the universe. God's love is there. If you go to the edge of our universe, God's love is there and beyond. It's infinite. It's the depths of the sea. So there's a sense of overwhelming, overflowing Unmerited favor. Unmerited means this. No matter what you do, 
You don't deserve anything. Uh, Jordan shared that this morning as he was leading us in worship and said, you know, this idea of Jesus being worthy, you know, he is worthy because he's the only one who could pay the price. None of us could pay a price. None of us could pay God. None of us could do anything that deserves God's mercy, deserves God's love. That's a sobering thing to uh, understand. <laughs> it's a salutary thing. And so there's this understanding that there's, it's overflowing, but it's unmerited. There, I have no merits in my life. If I stick with me for a moment, there are no merits in my life. I've got no merit points. I've got nothing good about me compared to God that could deserve his favor. I can do good things. I can try and live a good life. And, you know, many times I can be a good person, and as you can, as we all can. But even then, it does not merit the perfection that God looks for in his holiness, but God is holy. And so we have this understanding of unmerited, undeserved, undeserved favor. The idea of favor is good, positive. It's good. God has a good. His, his promises are good. Yes and amen for you and me. They're favorable. God is a favorable God. He looks upon you with great love and mercy and says that you are, I love you so much. I've got the best intentions for you. I don't know what you think about your life. I don't know what you look about your future, what your thoughts are. Do you think that God is going to help you? Um, has God forsaken you? Is God good? But I want to say this, God is love. God is good. Therefore, he looks upon us with good, complete, 100% intrinsic goodness, love and favor. That is the grace of God. That's why the writers sing, wrote hymns, Amazing Grace. Because it is amazing that we should be recipients of overflowing, unmerited favor. That's grace. And so Paul says, so love is the motivation, grace is the outcome. God's motivation is love. And the outcome of his love is unmerited, overflowing favor upon you and I because it's love. Love motivates God. This is very important. Love is the motivation for God is love and he wants to share that love even with you and I when we forsook him and walked away from him. Adam and Eve, he still loved them and sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for us. So we understand that God is love. Uh, God so loves the world so very much that he gives his one and only son. So God loves, and so the, uh, that's this motivation. The outworking of unmerited favor and overflow is that he gives his one and only son. Christmas time, we're going to be thinking about the manger, Jesus, the birth, God incarnate. That is the unmerited favor that God gives his one and only son. He goes further than that, though. He doesn't just give his son. He goes on to say in John three sixteen, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God not only gives his son, but he gives us the opportunity for eternal life. Unmerited favor. The motivation in the heart of God is love. So you see, grace is a heart thing. Not so much a hand thing. It's not what we do. Grace is a heart thing. That's why when Joanne was saying who you are, find out who you are in God. God loves you. And this is so true. I've got it written in my notes. I'm, I'm doing two things. I'm using technology, an iPad, but I'm hedging my bets in case it crashes and I've got my notes written as well. But in my notes in front of me, I've got written in giant writing, love. God loves you, Adrian. 
I've got it written in front of me to remind myself I am loved and beloved. And so it's the motivation is a love thing. It's a heart thing. Um, to prove a point in the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, you don't have to turn to it, but in Matthew chapter 18, there's a very well-known story where Jesus tells a story of a master who has, uh, he goes to one of his servants, it's a king in Matthew chapter 18, and the king goes to a servant and says to his servant, I now need your debts, the debts that you owe me, you have to now pay me. And um, in, the, in the passage, it, uh, it says that it's, Many thousands of gold pieces would have equated to millions of pounds in the money of that day. Millions. And uh, the servant falls at the master's feet and says, give me time to pay the debt. And so the master moves with a heart of compassion and says, I cancel your debts. If you read the story, it's a great story. This is an amazing story of grace. So he says, I cancel your debts. Now when the servant says, give me time to pay... Even if he had an eternity, he wouldn't have been able to pay that back because he wouldn't have earned, he earned pounds a day. Not even that, probably a pound a week, not even that. And he owed millions. So the master, in unmerited, overflowing favor, there's this grace, he says he does this, he wipes the debt clean. Then a little bit later on in that same story, the servant bumps into another servant friend. And the servant friend of the servant who's just been forgiven this great debt says to his friend, you owe me a few pounds. He actually goes up to his friend and the text says he tries to strangle him. You give me the money back now. A few pounds. In relation to the millions that he's been released from, you think, what on earth is he doing this for? But Jesus makes a point of this story. And so the king, the master, gets wind of this, hears the story, comes back to the servant that he said, I've cancelled your debt. And he then does this. Because you could not forgive Release the debt of the person that owes you a few pounds. When I have forgiven you millions, millions that you could never have paid, you go to prison and you will rot there and the whole of your family forever. And then Jesus ends that story with these words. He says this. It's a heart thing. Generosity, although although it's about a story of forgiveness and unforgiveness, but generosity is a heart thing. Listen to this. In Matthew 18, verse 35, Jesus says this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Generosity is a heart thing. It's a passage on forgiveness, but it's about having a big, open, overflowing, overwhelming, favorable, unmerited heart passage on grace. It's incredible. It's a heart thing. Grace is a heart thing. It's generosity. It's unmerited favor. So Paul says something spectacular. We've took a bit of time to get here, but he says this. He then says this, excel, get this, hold on to your seat. He says, excel in what? This grace of giving. In other words, Paul says this, I want you, people of God, to excel in a heart of generosity. To excel. To excel with a big open heart of generosity towards God, towards each other, and towards the world around you. He says, excel in this overwhelming, unmerited favor in everything and to everyone. To excel literally means this, and the translations vary, but it means this, to abound, to overflow, go beyond that which is the norm 
Go beyond the, fl- the flow of the day. Overflow. Don't go with the flow of your day. That's acceptable. Overflowing God. Overflowing God. So Paul says this. First thing, excel in this grace of giving. In other words, abound, overflow, go beyond the flow in an un- overwhelming, unmerited favor of God that is a motivation of the heart touched by love that just releases great generosity to everyone and everything around us. Second thing, God loves a cheerful giver. Interesting, that, those words there that we see in front of us. God loves a cheerful giver, um, chapter 9, verse 7. Generosity is not so much based on the amount, but our attitude. It's not so much how little or how much you give time to somebody or you put on the plate in the collection or whatever. It's all about the heart and the attitude. And Paul begins to share this when he talks about this idea of being a cheerful giver. We're going to look at what does that mean for a moment or two. The emphasis is not so much on how much we give, but on the heart that gives. Not how much, but the heart that gives. And this is what Paul is looking at. God loves a cheerful giver. You see there, what we see is this. It's about attitude. We see in verse 2 of chapter 9, we read this. It says, for I know your eagerness to help. You're talking to the um, Corinthians and about, and about the Macedonians. I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, uh, you in Achaia have, uh, were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. So he talks about eagerness and enthusiasm. This is generosity. It's an attitude. It's a heart. You, you see here, he says, he says, I boast about your eagerness to help. I boast about your enthusiasm to, to, to have a big, open, wide heart. And then he goes on to say in a few um, verses later, backing up this idea of, of attitude and of heart, he then goes on to say this, God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want it to be grudging, under compulsion. He, he then uses something else. He says oh, he wants it to be cheerful. So we see in verses 6 to 7, there's this comparison to compulsion, grudgingly. Oh, well, if I've got to then, I suppose I'll have to. To this idea of being generous and abounding and enthusiastic and open-hearted. And God's love towards you isn't grudging. Oh, I better, better just answer their prayers today. They've been praying hard. They've been working very hard, that bunch. Better answer their prayers. That's grudging. God enthusiastically eagerly loves us. That's the heart of God. There's something about the heart attitude that is so important in the kingdom of God. And so he uses this word cheerful giver. The word cheerful there, interesting word, it comes from a Greek word, hilaron, which, which, which transliterated me is our word hilarious. Now some people have said that when you put your money in the offering, you should, ha, 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 ho, ho, ho. You should really go for it and be hilarious. And God loves a hilarious giver. That's not quite accurate. It's partly, but not quite accurate. In actual fact, it's something far deeper than that. It's more of a heart thing. And the word hilaron, and hil, where we get our word hilarious, means this idea of abandoned. If you ever watch a baby laugh, if you go on YouTube, uh, you have to be careful what you Google these days, don't you? But um, you can look at um, 
uncontrollable laughter of infants or, or babies or children. And I, saw, I watched one where this uh, dad had some paper and he was tearing it like this, going, and the baby going, and this baby would just uncontrollable laughter. Then when he stopped, the face would go like this, and he'd go, again. And this child would go, ah, it's had about a million or something hits. You can tell what I do sometimes with my time, but I was just, <laughs> just researching this idea. No, I don't do that all the time. Just don't, please don't. But I was just researching this idea of abandon. And when you sit, well, and I watched this little infant in a high chair or whatever it was, absolutely giggling, laughing in the most abandoned, uninhibited, get this, an uninhibited abandon. And the word hilaron, when it says the cheerful giver, it's enthusiastic, eager, uninhibited abandonment of heart before God. There is the key of the generous heart. Because on the cross, Jesus didn't laugh, ha, 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 but there was a sense of abandonment to the Father, to the will, opening his heart. And Hilaron has this idea of joyful abandonment, but it's the abandonment and this uninhibited heart that God looks towards, rather than, well, I suppose I better, I suppose I might do. And this is what it's getting at there. You see, um, my phone, you know, with God... You know, we're called to generosity. And uh, so here I am. Here's my hand out opened uh, uh, wide. I've got my phone on it there. But if, if the, my hand is my life and say, say the phone is ministry or circumstance or I don't know. I don't know, whatever. It could, could be for you, whatever. You, you know, we're called to generosity. We're called to have open hands. Um, Hilaron is abandoned by the way, I would be careful with my phone. It's a 500-pound phone, so I better be careful that I don't drop it. Yeah. And I'm not going to let my wife get hold of it. So, But um, I should have had a pen, shouldn't I? Not use the idea of a phone, because I know it's like... Um, uh, I think I'm, is somebody ringing me? <laughs> Jordan Piano. Was that me ringing you or you ringing me? It's you ringing me. Good job, I'm on silent. That's why I put my phone on silent, because I had this happen to me quite a lot. <laughs> Please, nobody else do that. It, it's now putting me off on what I was about to say. I'll do it with a set of keys instead. <laughs> keys to my life, the keys to my kingdom. These are the keys to the church. But um, we're called to open heart. Open heart, open hands. You know, my life. And so... Generosity is this open-handedness. But, you know, there's something when I, where, where I beca- if I become grudging and, and I'm, 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 if I hold on, we're called to hold things lightly, aren't we, in life? This life is but a vapor. I have to tell myself that. And I'm called to hold things lightly. But see what I'm doing now? I'm clenching my fist. You'll never get these cans out of my hands. We hold on to things, don't we? But Jesus... Did not, it says in, I read this and I've written this down. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 5, most incredible passage. Write this down about attitude. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Verse 5. Then in verse 6, it says this This is incredible. Who? 
being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be, says in the NIV, grasped. Look, look up at me. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Another translation says held on to. In other words, heaven, the benefits, the equality. He didn't hold on. He was generous. He had an open hands and an open heart. It says there, and it goes on to say in verse 7, but made himself nothing. Open hands, open hearts. There lies the key to the heart of generosity. Whatever we hold on to, whatever we hold on to, ultimately will hold on to us. So if you grasp and hold on, you can't give grace. If I hold on to those keys, I can't give because my hand's <coughs> clenched and I'm not able to give. So we're called to be abandoned in our hearts. And finally, the principles of the kingdom are, the principles of generosity are sowing and reaping. We read there, principles of generosity are finally sowing and reaping. When we give time, love, forgiveness, mercy, friendship, serving, service, voluntary work, finances, our lives. When we give, when we give, it's not a debt I owe, but one Christian writer said it's a seed I sow. I want you to think about that for a minute because it sounds like a nice little... Nice little phrase, but just think for a minute. When we give love, mercy, all these, whatever, whatever, it's not a debt I owe, but a seed I sow. That's the principle of the kingdom of God. We read it in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 onwards. It's the principle of sowing seed, sowing seeds of life. You see, it's this. Debts pay off. Seeds plant life. And so Paul says, don't give grudgingly. Oh, I suppose I owe. (laughs) Debts. It's like the seven dwarves. Not hi-ho, but it's I owe, I owe, I owe. It's debts. It's a debt-based life. It's a grudge, clenched fist-based life. But what Paul says, don't be grudging, not under compulsion. I've got to prize it. God wants to prize my time out of my hands, prize my love out of my life. He, he doesn't want to do that. He wants our hands to be open. And it's like plant seed. You see the picture there, the idea of love, giving love away, giving forgiveness away, giving mercy away. That's the principles of the kingdom. And he says that, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. We don't sow debts, but seeds in life. And this is the understanding of that. Generosity gives life. It spreads to others. If we sow love, if we give love away, it's like a seed. If we give mercy to others, if you invest mercy, even if you don't see it coming back, remember excelling this grace, unmerited favor, you're not getting anything back, but you're going to give love, you're going to give mercy to somebody else. We're not going to close our lives, but we're just going to give it. It's amazing because it's like a seed of life that you're planting somewhere, even though you're not going to get anything back. When a farmer sows his seed, he's not sure. He's hopeful. He's pretty sure he's going to get something back. Doesn't know how much or how little. But it's not the point. It's about sowing the seed of life and love. 
Plant life everywhere, all the time. It's like seed. It's growing even when it's unseen. We're called to plant life everywhere and every time. Love, mercy, forgiveness, hope, time, energy, finances. Give, plant. It's like planting life everywhere, all the time. When you plant a seed, you don't see anything for quite some time. But unseen, unbeknown, under the earth, it's growing. Things are taking place, and it's beginning to grow. And in the kingdom of God, it's like that. Grace, mercy, love, kindness, patience. As we give these things away, as we plant that way, as we think of it as an investment of open-handedly, just giving our hearts and giving our lives, as what Jesus did for us, it seems to plant life everywhere and all around us. So we're called, therefore, not to be grudging, but we're called to be generous and abide and live by the principles of sowing and reaping. What we sow, so shall we reap. And the amount and the way in which our hearts are open will determine what comes our way. So, as we finish then, generosity, it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. You know, we sing the song, Lord, you have my heart. I surrender all. Forgive from the heart. God's law of love is now written on my heart. Therefore, I'm called to have a big open heart. And that's what generosity is. Let's pray. Bless you, folks. I just wonder if the, guy, if the worship guys, if, if the team, if, if you can come back, we're just going to close and sing. And we're just going to give God our hearts this morning. Should we stand together? Dear folks, with this we're finishing now. And we're going to open our hearts and say, Lord, have my heart. Generous God, generous Jesus, generous person of the Holy Spirit, here's my heart. I'm going to excel in this grace of unmerited favor and overflow. I'm going to abound. The motivation is going to be your love released in my heart, not because I'm told to do this, but God, I need your love. And I embrace your love. And I want to give all of that love away. That's as simple as what it is, really, folks. Heavenly Father, this morning, receive our hearts and minds right now. See us as we stand and as we're seated. We just say to you, Lord, Lord, we give ourselves afresh to you. We thank you that it's not under compulsion, but this is a love thing. We are, I'm amazed that you so love me that you give your one and only, very best of heaven. And I don't take it for granted this morning. If there's anyone here this morning and you're not sure if you are a Christian, a Christian is a person that said to Jesus Christ, Father God and the Holy Spirit, forgive me for living for myself. I've lived without you, God, and I've, that's called sin. Now I repent, I change my mind, I turn around, and I say I'm sorry for living for myself without Jesus in my life. Will you forgive me and come into my heart and life? Maybe you're here this morning and that's you. Would you pray that prayer right now in your heart? Maybe this, this morning there are people here and you've been a Christian but you've slid away a little and you're saying to God this morning, God, my heart has grown. There's been a lot of stuff that's got into my heart. It's grown cold, perhaps, so I give you my heart afresh. Maybe you're a person here this morning 
And there's things that hold us. Maybe there's a hurt. Maybe there's a joy. Maybe there's something really amazing that's taking over our lives. God calls us to hold things lightly. Because why? He holds you and I in the palm of his hand. So don't worry. You don't have to grip hold. You don't have to hold on. You don't have to grip anything. Because God holds us in the palm of his hand this morning. And this morning, Lord... It's not that we're lackadaisical, laissez-faire about things and come easy, come, easy, go. That We're just going to let go. But we're truly going to let go and let God and say, into my hands, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Lord Jesus, you led the way. You showed us the way. You said on the cross, into your hands, Father, with outstretched arms and open palms, you said, I give you my spirit. And the most amazing thing happened. You went through the pain, you died, were buried, but you rose again to life forevermore. And so we open up our palms of our hands, as it were. If you can do that with me, do it right now. We open up a palm of our hands and we say, Lord, into your hands, I give you my heart, life, and spirit. Whatever that means for each one of us, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is my desire